Hello everyone and welcome to Real Quick episode 83. Today we just got a two-man show. It's me and Seth, but instead of doing a five-round draft to make up for it since we have a lack of other members, George is out in Greece having a blast of a time. Cam is occupied today, so it's just us two. We're going to be doing a draft of the best black and white movies of all time. And of course, you know, with all the memes about Seth being the black and white movie guy, of course he has to be the one that has to be present for this draft. We're going to be going 10 rounds yeah. today, so 20 total picks of black and white movies. Obviously, the pool to choose from is literally endless, like just millions to choose from. So I don't think we'll have any issue getting to 10 rounds whatsoever. Um, this draft has been recommended by Roko 1.0. So if you want to recommend us drafts, join our Patreon or join our Discord. Um, all kinds of other perks, getting discounts on merch, um, other cool benefits. Check out our Patreon down below in the description. Uh, tons of cool tiers, stuff for everyone at every different level. Go check that out and check out our merch as well on realtalkpodcast.com. But yeah, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump right into it. 10 rounds, best black and white movies of all time or our favorite black and white movies of all time. I'm going to give the first pick to Seth and we're going to snake our way through 20 rounds. So Seth, first pick of the black and white movies draft. You didn't randomize it this week. Yeah, it was 50-50. I just decided I'll give it to you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty easy. I, I think the easy way to go for me is kind of just went on my favorites list and then, like, I wish there was an option, you know, on Letterboxd to pick black and white. Right. Uh, so my favorite would be, uh, probably not to the surprise of anyone listening, uh, would be Ingmar Bergman's Persona, being my, my highest rated black and white, that being in my top 10 of all time. So that's going to be my first pick. Yeah, after I took that pick from you a couple weeks ago you had to make sure you locked in persona and i didn't add that one from you so definitely yeah, be crazy yeah, yeah. Be crazy strong first pick um so i got i got back to backs now i'm gonna go for my only 10 out of 10 black and white film i believe yeah so 12 angry men i mean it's a classic for a reason um incredible screenplay incredible blocking all the performances are incredible uh, 12 Angry Men going down. And then next. Why are you getting two picks if there's two of us? I thought we'd just go back and forth, back and forth. Okay. And forth. Yeah. I, I'm down to do that. I think Snake Draft really benefits when there's more than two people. But with two people, we can just go back and forth. I agree with you. Um, so, yeah, we'll just kick it back over to you. Look at look at us on the fly, making changes. So, Seth, back to you. I know. Crazy. Uh, so, my second pick is going to be, uh, again, not to the surprise of anyone. Uh, that is going to be Kubrick's Paths of Glory, mm-hmm. of course. Yep. My all-time favorites. Yep. Um, yeah, let's see. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Psycho, which is like a 9.9 yep. out of 10 for me. So another very highly rated film. Black and white movies are indeed cinema, much to the disagreement of Cam Walsh. Uh, just catching strays. That's what happens if you don't show up for a podcast episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're f- four picks in. What's your th- first pick of the third round, or your only pick of the third round? I guess. I didn't know you had Psycho a five star. I don't know why. Yeah, it's a nine point nine for me. I really, really enjoy it. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, I'll go. Um, one that I, I seem to be speaking about quite a lot recently. And that's because I rewatched it again recently. I've watched it twice this year, and that is uh, the Bride of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Probably yeah. my favorite Universal monster film. I think that that, that period of kind of you. Universal films like Dracula, um, The Wolfman, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Frankenstein, whatever. I think that's definitely my favorite. And um, one that's really like on that second watch, it went from like a four to like a five straight away and like an all time favorite. I don't know what it was, 
it's just such a such an amazing film that I recommend everyone watch. It's really short as well. It's like seventy minutes, something like that. So you watched it twice uh, this year, but was the first time you watched it your first watch of it? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, so the, I watched it uh, in. I watched it in April for the first time, like when I was going through. But I was going through like a really era of just watching old monster films because they're just so enjoyable. I've been doing it recently as well, and then I rewatched it again um, in June, and I was like, wow. Uh, is, this is it, it blew me away on the second watch. It's kind of just one of those that you need to watch multiple times to fully appreciate. Uh, but yeah, that'll be my my third pick anyway. Yeah, definitely. Ever since you watched that, you've been talking about it a ton. So I definitely have to check it out because I do also enjoy that era. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure it probably came out same time around of Nosferatu, uh, probably the original I think King it was Kong. The- uh, about King Kong, I think it was like ten years after Nosferatu, gotcha. so just after the, the silent German expressionist era. Um, but I think you'd enjoy it. I think it's really good. Gotcha, really good. awesome. Well, my third pick, I will go with Schindler's List. I mean, technically, there's one person that's in color for like ten minutes of the movie, but I don't think anyone would disagree that that's a black and white film. No, no, don't be disagree with me on that one. Yeah, I actually forgot about that. I don't know why. I just kind of forget about Schindler's List. I often forget about the more recent films when it comes to black and white. Do you know what I mean? They kind of just like don't lock in as much in my head. No, yeah, is... that makes sense. Especially when you're preparing for an all black and white draft, you just and your mind immediately goes to like, all right, 1965 is like the latest I'll be able to go or so. Um, but yeah, fourth round. Yeah. Uh, I'll go for Bergman and the Bergman with Through a Glass Darkly. I don't know if you've watched that one yet. I don't mm-hmm. think you have. Nope. Uh, I think you've. You, have you seen? So you've seen Persona, Autumn Sonata, Wild Strawberries. Oh yeah, yeah, Wild. Have you seen Seven Celia as well? Or is that no, I think I've only seen those three. So is Through a Glass Darkly your second highest Bergman then, or second favorite Bergman? No, it's my third. The second one is the Christmas Chronicle, uh, Fanny and Alexander. He did, which is like a you can get a theatrical. You can watch the theatrical version or the the TV, the limited series, which is what his his recommendation was. Uh, but Through a Glass Darkly is my third out of like out of like seventeen. I think I've watched of his now, so it's a massive compliment. Um, it's actually not one that gets spoken about a lot either. It's not one of his like highest rated ones either. Um, but it just really connected with me. Really, really great. So good. All right, next pick. I will go with. See, like those top three were like my clear cut staple favorites. And then I still have a ton of these that are very highly rated for me, but uh, not like now that the gap between them all is very muddied. So I don't know exactly where I want to go next, but I will go yeah. with um, I'll go with the classic that we watch pretty much every Christmas growing up. And I'm still not really sick of it. It's a wonderful life. You know, it's, yeah, it's a sta- staple holiday film. Every, everyone's probably seen it at the, at least once in their life. It's yeah, always plays around during Christmas time around here. But yeah, it's a it's a wonderful life. I actually didn't watch it on the last Christmas. I don't know why. It's kind of weird. Um, amazing film, but I really like it. it's a Wonderful Life. Really, mm-hmm. really like it. Uh, for my is this fifth pick? Fifth pick. Yeah. My fifth pick. I will go for uh, Kurosawa's Seven Samurai. His huge samurai samurai blockbuster epic. Uh, so grand in scope, it's it's so incredibly entertaining throughout. It's um, it's actually Tyler, not to put pressure on you, but I think it's one away from Real Talk Collection now. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah I, I need to get on watching that, and I, I'm happy at least you'd seen it because in a draft of best black and white films, like it absolutely has to be picked. It's one of the grandest epics of all time, but obviously I'm not going to be yeah. picking it because I haven't seen it. But yeah, five stars from everyone on Real Talk except me because I haven't seen it yet. 
It's very. I, I feel like you'll like it. I and this is coming from someone as well who's. I've only seen two Kur- Kurosawa films. I've really not gone into filmography at all, but uh, I, I have a massive, massive feeling you'll like it. It's, it's so, so much fun. Um, yeah, great film. Yeah, I'm sure I'll love it. So, so Harakiri obviously is a samurai film. There is some scenes of samurai fighting, but a lot of it is based like, on kind of the drama of it. Well. Yeah, exactly. So, is Seven Samurai more of a pure like? epic grand battles of samurai not no not not uh specifically i think i think seven samurai is one that kind of focuses on the the philosophy of this of the of the of the, of the samurai code similar to what harry curie does but in a different slight way and it's like but the the action sequences are so big in scope that it's pretty much the blueprint for like the action film if that makes sense and it revolutionized gotcha. so many uh not that you know there's not there's not an action sequence every 10 minutes or whatever it's a lot of building up to it it's a lot of um intense dialogue there's a lot of emotional sequences as well it's uh and it the best thing about seven samurai is from my research it's so real it feels so authentic it's, it's drowning in realism because of how much uh research was done into the time period and how historically accurate it is it's almost like you're watching a documentary from that era which is kind of the best feel um so it is like the blueprint for a um in day action blockbuster that's that's kind of the, the goal to achieve for most of them i would say yeah i definitely need to see it it's just that it's that three hours you know which i, I we watched we both have watched three plenty of three hours films three and a half yeah we both watched many three hour films but you know it's just it, it does take a little hurdle to get to get over to start when you could you know it throw on a that's why it took film. me like five years to yeah. fucking take it off watch this it was literally that after that long it's crazy yeah all right so I have, I have a couple on my list that are like movies i want that like pretty much every at least in like america everyone had to watch in like elementary school after reading a book about it but um they're they're great movies just because the first exposure to it was when i was in school doesn't mean anything is bad about them but i'll go to kill a mockingbird um phenomenal book and then the movie yeah so it's phenomenal book first of all then then the movie itself is also quite incredible and that that's like you know like when you're in grade school growing up and you'll like be forced to read a book and i feel like I don't know, 60, 70% of the ones you have to read are like awful. But then you have like that 30% yeah. where you read and you're like, okay, I'm actually like happy that I was assigned this because it's great. To Kill a Mockingbird is one of those. Where exactly. you read and you're like, Damn, that's great. Yeah. We never actually did it in school, but I know a lot of people did. Um, but it's, uh, it's my mom is one of her favorite films. And I actually watched the film like fairly recent, past like year and a half. It's really, really good. Really mm-hmm. good. But I know that it's, it's very much a school classic. Like, uh, I, here is like, um, of mice and men yeah. or uh, lord of the flies or woman in black they were like very much mm-hmm. literally classic flowers here. for algernon if you remember that one that was one we had to read no too. we didn't do that one i know exactly what you mean though but i remember watching like of mice and men over and over and mm-hmm. over it was crazy i was so <laughs> sick of that film um yeah that's that is a good pick i, I really like it uh for my sixth pick sixth pick I will go for a fairly recent watch. Um, the last film I, I gave a five star on first viewing that was The Ascent. Um, it's a it's a it's a late seventies war film, a Soviet war film that kind of just blew me away. It's some of the best visuals I've ever seen. It really shows the existential kind of reflections and, and hardships of war, where you're just watching these two um, these two soldiers do like daily jobs and and and, and, and hour by hour experiences. It's, it's so breathtaking. It's devastating. Uh, and it's really, really hit me. I think it's like actually now in my top five war films of all time, maybe even top four. It's around that marker, and it's quite underseen as well. I don't think it has. Like, I think when I checked, it had like 
20 30k logs on letterbox so it's very much a a low-end one but it is on like the top uh you know the top fucking 250 on letterbox or whatever uh but i definitely recommend everyone check that out it's called the ascent um even better it's a a female filmmaker around that time directing a war film which was pretty unheard of especially in eastern europe incredibly rare um yeah, yeah it's even more impressive i think is that on your letterbox favorites right now or at least it was recently i think it is yeah because my letterbox favorites are usually you just do like recent ones i pretty mm-hmm. yeah it is it is yeah yeah because yeah. every time i see that on your letterbox favorites i always think it's a horror movie just i think it's because of the descent and like the name's so similar i'm like oh the ascent i'm like oh that must be like some classic horror i'm the was. cover the actual yeah, poster as well that too. looks creepy yeah, shit, man. yeah. i'll go with that for my sixth one all right for my sixth pick i'll, b- I'll bounce back to another uh, another thing I watched in school, but not English class. This was history class, and that's Mr. Smith goes to Washington. That's a classic. I have no idea what that is. Yeah, let's let's see if I can play. Genuinely, more. no idea what that it's is. From Mr. 1939, Smith. it's like a, oh, a political yeah, comedy yeah. drama. Um, I, yeah, I remember watching it in like government class in like eighth grade or something. I do know what that is because I know that obviously uh, Frank uh, Capra, Capra, whatever. Yep, yep. he did. Um, he also did it. It's a Wonderful Life, and uh, it happened that night. It happened one night, or something like that, which I, I actually need to watch. He, I, I've not been into any of his films apart from It's a Wonderful Life. I know he was a massive, massive influence around the kind of late thirties, early forties mm-hmm. period. I need to watch that. Actually, I do know what you mean now. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, seventh round. Seventh round. Okay, I'll go for shit, man. It's getting kind of hard now because there's a few that I've got like a, a four point five ish. But I'm just gonna double check if I've got any still on my favorites list. I'm assuming that I do. Okay, so I will go for. Oh yeah, okay, I'll go for David Lynch's The Elephant Man. Um, one of David Lynch's more kind of emotionally uh, evoking films. It's uh, so sad. It's one of the saddest films I've ever watched in my life, and it's probably one of my favorites from him as well. I think it's like second. Um, I really recommend that to everyone. It's like it's a portion of history which is, I guess, lesser spoken about. Um, just in terms of obviously. Uh, John Merrick's life and, and that period, and I think it's, yeah, it's brutal. It's very, very sad, but it's a very just incredible film. Um, so that'll be my seventh pick. All right, there's a lot, a lot you're picking that I that have, I need to watch, but also they've been on my watch list, and like I, I've been just putting off for too long, so I absolutely need to get on some of these. But um, next pick, I will go with, um, you know, what? we'll just get some classic staples on here. We'll go Casablanca. It's like one of those that just like was yeah. on VHS growing up that I had that I watched over and over as a kid, even though I did not understand pretty much anything of it when I was that young, but I just always watched it. Um, yeah. I haven't seen Casablanca in a while to be fair. Well, I think I only watched it the first time maybe like two years ago. I like it. I'm not like huge on it, to be honest. Um, I just, I think it's good. I'm not like crazy about it, but I definitely see the influence it has. And I think it kind of, people would be get annoyed if that wasn't on here. It's one of those sort of films, isn't it? At the end of the day. Uh, for my is this eighth or seventh? This is my eighth, isn't it? For my eighth yep. pick, I'll go for Francois Truffaut's The Four Hundred Blows. Um, I always compare this to Moonlight. This is like the the, the direct comparison I have to it. Uh, Moonlight has some shots are clearly influenced by The Four Hundred Blows. It was a dark, realistic coming of age film in the fifties. Francois Truffaut's debut. It was set in Paris, so it's got like the, the Parisian landscape. It's really dark. It's really realistic. It's really gritty. Very similar endings to Moonlight as well. Um, kind of uh, you know optimism and freeing energies, uh, and I, I think I, I literally like I think this is like you know when people do these videos and I've done some as well where it's like if, if you like this movie watch this older yep. film whatever. Yep. This is Moonlight. It, it seriously is. It, it 
for me, it's not obviously crazy reminiscent within the narrative, but some of the shots, the themes on show, the, the dark realistic nature, so, so, so similar. Uh, and I would recommend it to, to everyone listening. It's definitely one of my favorite coming of age films ever, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I watched that, let's see, probably a month ago at this point. And yeah, it's 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 incredible. It blew me away. And I, I can see the parallels too. Like you said, it's not like... I didn't even know you'd watched it. What? Yeah, I watched it. Let's see. Oh, you did. See if I can scroll down my diary how long ago it was. But it was twenty fourth of June. Twenty fourth of June. Okay, see, like two months ago. What did I end up giving it? Four and a half. Four and a half, but a nine point three. So okay, yeah, very close. Yeah, basically like nearly as high as I'll usually go on like a first watch. So uh, I very much enjoyed it. Um, And yeah, I can see the parallel for sure. I have no idea how I missed that review. If you yeah, it probably just slipped slipped by the goalie. Um, yeah, definitely. This so this pick for my eighth pick is a very influential book that was turned into a very influential movie from a very influential director, starring a very influential lead actor, and that's The Grapes of Wrath, directed by John Ford, starring Henry Fonda. That, Interesting. Yeah, that's one that for some reason I've been wanting to rewatch recently, but I've just been putting it off because in my mind for some reason I thought it was like a three and a half hour movie, but I just Googled it and it's two hours, nine minutes. So I don't know why in my mind. I think it's because like we watched it in school in like high school or something and it just took like five class periods and we stretched it out over a week. So my mind is like, this must be the longest movie ever. But no, very good movie. Henry Fonda is just was one of the most charismatic actors of the early 1900s. And the great, like everyone knows him obviously from 12 Angry Men, but The Grapes of Wrath I think is like equally equally high caliber well i guess 12 angry men is 10 out of 10 for me so it's not quite that high caliber but it's a great movie nonetheless yeah i i this i think john ford as a director is like one that i I don't think i've watched any of his films that kind of era of american cinema there's there's certainly a lot that i miss especially when it comes to like the, the western side of things as well um westerns are easily my my biggest blind spot in cinema ever um for my next pick i will go for David Lynch's debut, the controversial Eraserhead. Um, I watched it again the other week. Uh, just so fucking good, man. It's, it's really weird. You know, there are a lot of interpretations you can have, but I do think it's one of those films that gets kind of bogged down a lot by being something with no substance that's just weird for the sake of being weird, whereas I completely disagree. I think it's one of the more impressive directorial debuts I've ever seen, especially on rewatch as well. I've watched it sort of three or four times now. And it's just so fucking weird and it's surreal. And I, of course, I'm a David Lynch fan as well. Um, but I just think it's completely distinct and, and unique, which is why I really appreciate it. And I think it was like the budget was crazy low on this. I'm sure it was like 15K or something like that, around that, that kind of that kind of ballpark. Um, it's one of those, like you go on your your friends, like, you know, what they've logged on Letterboxd, where they rated it. Honestly, yeah, it's one of the most divisive films I've seen uh, in regards to my mutuals. Um, but it was, you know, it's, you like it's it's very much a marmite film. You either love it or you hate it, and I'm personally um, very very high on it. But I'm I'm high on David Lynch. That kind of figures, I guess. Yeah, I am just disgustingly overdue for diving into David Lynch's filmography. I'm still at zero films watched. I've just been putting off that 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 beast of a filmography, but uh, it, it's going to be real soon when I finally crack the seal. And I think I kind of want to start with Dune, but <laughs> we'll see. Start with Dune. Yeah, that's that's the only. Miss me. That's like uh, Alien Three with Fincher, though. It's like it's not really his fault. It was the studio, right? Right. But to be fair, the good thing is with David Lynch, you can finish his filmography very quickly. You know what I mean? I think it's like eight feature-length films, and then a lot of them are shorts and stuff like that, which Mm. are really fucking weird as well. But 
when you do get into it, you'll find that it's not like a Hitchcock or a Bergman. You can just blitz through them pretty easy. I've still got like two to go as myself as well. Okay, good to know. Um, my ninth pick, speaking of directorial debuts, like you were just talking about, and speaking of my last pick, which was someone who was very influential back in the day, like incredibly influential, call him very influential is an understatement. Orson Welles, Citizen Kane. Feel like yeah. I can't, can't, that can't go undrafted. I was worried because I wasn't going to pick it. I was kind of yeah. hoping that you would, because people would get yeah, it. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't have it rated because the last time I watched it was like probably two and a half, three years ago. So it was before I started in Letterboxd, but I don't remember being my absolute favorite. So it's probably not my top 10, but it's kind of one that I feel like just needs to get picked. Yeah, I agree. I think influence alone, especially, I mean, that is the film when it comes to influence on cinematography altogether as well. Um, and camera techniques. I've, I I like Citizen Kane. I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, my is my ninth or tenth pick. I'm this is your final here. pick, number ten. I got I got all your track for you. So you're number ten. Final pick. Okay. So my my tenth pick is going to be the German anti-war satire. One of my favorite uh, war films of all time. Um, not German anti-war satire. The anti-war satire. It's definitely not German. Um, that is to be or not to be. Came out in 1942. Just one of the most kind of profound laugh out loud funny whilst also showcasing gravity of situation i think the fact it came out mid world war ii even more impressive such a bold and ambitious feat and it has that like i think it's rare that you find comedies around that period that have that timeless feel like they'll make you genuinely laugh out loud throughout the whole runtime. there are secrets in that that i just think are hilarious which is a rarity because comedy doesn't usually track that well um for for most younger people around this era especially but yeah, fantastic, fantastic film, and I'd really recommend it. It's probably the greatest anti-war satire, satire I've, I've ever seen, and one of the best anti-war films I've ever seen as well. All right, that does it for your draft. When you said anti-war satire, I thought you were going to a Kubrick film, but I didn't think you were that high on Doctor Strange Love. but that's kind of where I thought you were, you were leading yeah. to with that. No, I, I'm like, I like uh, Doctor Strange Love. I'm not like, you know, it's quite low down my Kubrick. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, but it, I still like it a lot. So that's not really saying much. Yeah, that's kind of my experience when I watched it the first time. I was like, I like this. I didn't ever feel like I was like, oh, I love this. It's just everything. I was like, yeah, this is this is good. This is fine. Um, yeah. My final pick. I'll give a shout out to a more modern black and white film, but it's not The Lighthouse, like you might be expecting. It's Come On, oh, Come On. No. I know, I know, George absolutely loves that movie. I love it as well. Walking Phoenix uh, from I think like I two, two, three yeah, years ago, maybe. But a twenty four movie, very, very good. Wanted to throw at least one like modern black and white film on there. So I threw on, come on, come on. And I know the lighthouse is really close. And one thing that like, I feel like some people might be saying, like, I can't believe you guys in draft, which I don't know. This is your mindset for it, but raging bull. Like, so Schindler's list has like the girl in the red coat, which is, but that's so minor. I feel like it's a black and white movie, but raging bull really is like, kind of like not exactly 50, 50, but there's enough color scenes to where like, I wouldn't call it like a pure black and white film. So I feel, uh, I feel like you I would, I, look- I feel like I you would have picked would. it though in your top ten if you were. It, no, it's not in my. The way I judged it is, I just looked at my top one hundred favorites, which obviously I did like a few days ago, last week, whatever. And it's not on there, so I just picked the ten on there. So I, what I wouldn't have picked it anyway, but I, I do feel like it would count as a black and white one. The two closest that I would uh, put were um, Sunset Boulevard, The Lighthouse, and Raging Bull. They were like three mm-hmm. that were like you know on the edge, or some like it hot, which I watched yesterday, which was amazing. Um, yeah, I'm pretty happy. With pretty happy yeah, with well, I'll run through them quick. But yeah, just so so I guess for the people listening, I would have absolutely drafted Raging Bull in my top ten. But my, personally, for me, I was just like, I, I don't fully consider it black and white. And then same thing with American History X, but even more so because that one's like p- pretty much exactly fifty fifty split of color and black and white. Yeah, I don't consider that black yeah. and white film, but obviously that would be in my top ten as well. So the the picks recap: Seth picked Persona, 
Paths of Glory, Bride of Frankenstein, Through a Glass Darkly, Seven Samurai, The Ascent, The Elephant Man, The 400 Blows, A Razor Head, and To Be or Not to Be. Um, and then I picked 12 Angry Men, Psycho, Schindler's List, It's a Wonderful Life, To Kill a Mockingbird, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Casablanca, The Grapes of Wrath, Citizen Kane, and Come On, Come On. So if you're listening to this and you haven't really dived or dove into much black and white cinema more classic That's Hollywood Wednesday. or classic cinema in general, here's a list of 20 that we would both recommend highly to go check out. So definitely any of these you could pick from and you'll probably find yourself enjoying it. Uh, I guess like a razor head is maybe a more controversial one, but in general, this list of 20, we just listed off are all pretty highly regarded films that we both give our seal of approval to. So there's our 20 picks, just me and Seth bouncing back and forth on draft. Thank you. Roka 1.0 for the suggestion. I feel like it was long overdue to do this one and yeah, yeah, let us know who won. We'll probably post something on Twitter or something. I don't even know if George and Cam are doing that anymore, but we'll, we'll try to get back on doing that and posting graphics on Twitter. Um, but yeah, thank you for watching. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Follow us on Spotify if you're listening there and rate us five stars. And we will see you in the next episode.